Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, a podcast presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This podcast has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and Metatopia 2018. Episode 215, Truth, Survival, and Empowerment in Darker Narratives. Presented by Mabel Harper, Avenel Wing, Misha Bushyager, and Eli Eaton. Hello everybody, I assume you're here for the Truth, Survival, and Empowerment in Darker Narratives panel, or because it's really hot elderware and this is a reasonably comfortable room. Uh, either way, welcome. Uh, I'm Misha Bushager. This is Aloy Eaton, or sorry, Eli Eaton, <laughs> not Aloy. I work with Aloy. And Mabel, and I can't remember your last, Harper. Mabel Harper. Yep. Um, and uh, we're, we're here to talk. Uh, so Mabel, you want to introduce yourself for us? Um, my name is Mabel Harper. Um, obviously, an R- I'm an RPG designer. I uh, won the Metatopia Scholarship, so I'm here, It's great. Um, uh, nice. Oh, right. Yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> first time doing a panel. Um, I've mostly worked within the so-called OSR, but uh, I like designing all sorts of games um, and submitted this panel because this is a topic of much interest to me as a survivor of trauma and a socialist. So. Uh, and I'm Misha Bushager. Um, I'm one of the founders of New Agenda Publishing, um, and I blog at Black Girl Gameworks, uh, gaming-inspired fiction and occasional rants. Uh, uh, I'm a horror fan. I'm a, a horror writer. I am. Uh, I, I look for things in that genre that are just kind of reach out and speak to me. I'm Eli Eden. Um been running games and facilitating game spaces for about four or five years, new to writing them just this year. Um, uh, Very involved in the queer community in my hometown, and um, I really like vulnerable games and games that bring you through sort of dark experiences uh, and hopefully help you navigate some feelings around them. Absolutely. Okay. So Mabel, you proposed this panel. What is it that that draws you to to uh, those darker narratives, the the kind of things that scare you, but at the same time bring you through it? Um, well, you know, it's like it's in, in the name, right? I mean, it's it, it's it's a threefold thing, you know. Like I, a lot of my truth can be found in that. You know, I deal with a lot of the stuff I went through growing up through darker narratives. It's one of the few places I can find comfort. Um, it's actually something for traumatized people that sometimes they need something that, you know, they need things that are a little more intense sometimes to even feel anything. Mm-hmm. And darker narratives are sometimes the thing that help me feel things. Some days I can't feel anything, but that will help me. Um, and, you know, survival is important to me um, and teaching people how to survive. And, you know, once you get beyond survival, teaching people how to change the world and sometimes it gets rough when you want to change the world, when you want to do better. And I think dark narratives can help guide us through that and see us through some of the issues that we might face when we want to really change things for the better. 
I think for me, uh, horror especially, is it's got rules. Like, at the end of the day, yeah, there's some crap that's going to happen between, you know, point A and point B, but at the end of the day, the bad guy is going to get his comeuppance, and the good guy is going to survive, and that is a rule, and, and if you... It's it's a certain amount of hope that doesn't necessarily always exist in day-to-day interactions. Like, you're not already sure that the good guy's gonna l- win and the bad guy's gonna lose in, in a, any given situation. So having uh, a place where you know that this is going to be the end point, no matter what happens along the way, is kind of a hopeful thing. And it's kind of a we- that kind of weird dichotomy of, yes, it's crap, but yes, there's still hope at the end of the day. It's really empowering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, similar to you, um, like horror and scary things and other like dark content um, as like an anxious person, a person that struggles with uh, that sort of mental health aspect of a mood disorder and invasive thoughts, it, it gives me a kind of catharsis um, for that in like a safe place. So, Yeah, catharsis, that's a good word. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, uh, you know, one of the things that sticks with me I mean and you know one of the things that really shocks me is sometimes I've been made to feel bad for the art that has saved me right people are like you like that thing you must be a bad person or you must be fucked up whatever but you know I am fucked up and that's why it helped me it saved me and maybe it's a little fucked up but it was there for me and I found you know answers in it or sometimes just empathy for some something someone going through the shit that I've been through and you know, I can't find that in a lot of, like... I, I like comfortable things. I watch a lot of Gilmore Girls, so <laughs> clearly I like that. But, you know, oftentimes to just feel connected to the world, to feel like maybe the things I went through had meaning, or to feel comfortable about it, I need that dark art. I need it. Yeah. I need something a little fucked up. Yeah. And sometimes you, you need to see something somebody's having it worse than you are even if it's just a little but they're still managing to get through it anyway it can provoke empathy and hope yeah Yeah. exactly yeah yeah and surviving yourself at the end of that story even though maybe your character didn't survive can be Mm. like yeah 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 i mean it's like sometimes you know i think the point of r2 i mean if it's something that hasn't personally happened for you and a lot of people are still drawn dark out without having that experience trauma but it's it's also another way of understanding um understanding the world i mean like art is a safe place for us to deal with these things if there's no safer place if you you know and it it's, won't provide 100 percent understanding but it'll help you it'll at least give you a glimpse of what it might be like for someone else or what it's like to live through really tough situations. Uh, <laughs> what else would be? What else do I have to say? Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is what, the first yeah, no, no, no. What is your, uh, what's your favorite uh, story that kind of, uh, what was the favorite story of yours that you turned to over and over. Is there a story that, or a movie, or a piece of art that you turn to constantly for uh, a source of, of inspiration? Or oh story? lord, it's a lot of things. <laughs> it's a lot. Um, one of the things I don't know if anyone's familiar with Evangelion. Mm-hmm. It's an anime. It's sort of yeah. It's amazing. Um, it's sort of like a deconstruction of like you know fun anime tropes and pushes into misery. It's it's really miserable. You know, it's <laughs> like if you know, like pretty much the last half of the show is a kid 
you know, screaming and crying inside of a giant robot. Um, but that, it was really special to me to see, to see like, you know, protagonists, it's normal, like, you know, normally that would be such an empowering thing. Oh, kid gets in a robot, fights monsters, but no. This was a kid who was like suffered the way I did, dealt with depression, anxiety, dealt with these really fucked up issues relating to parents and the people around him and felt completely disconnected from it. And to see someone else suffering in that way and and deal with these awful traumatic things in a way that was realistic, you know, people complain about it because they say he's not a great protagonist because he doesn't just go out and kick ass, but fuck that. Mm. Sometimes shit's just fucking hard and you can't deal with it. Mm. And I needed that in my life because it helped me deal with it. Eli? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'll, yeah, well, game, actually, that uh, I find that I come back to time and time again is actually Dream Askew. Mm -hmm. It's my absolute favorite game. And it deals with some really rough stuff. It deals with, like, an ongoing apocalypse. And in a lot of ways, I feel like, uh, whether intentionally or not, it's a stand-in for what's happening now for marginalized communities. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, a lot of sad things tend to happen every time that game is run, but I just, I just love um, that uh, it's also about community building in amongst a, like a dark time. So, yeah. I mean, that's so important. I mean, especially now, these times are really fucking trying. Especially, I mean, if you're you know part of any marginalized group, right now is a really fucking hard time. Because on one hand, you have, you know, it, it feels like you might have more of a voice, but, you know, to look out in the world and see yourself rejected. Um, my parents were illegal immigrants. I'm transgender. Um, and I have really bad mental illness. So, and it's really fucked up. <laughs> Honestly, it's really fucked up to look out in the world and see this thing that feels unchanging. It feels like, it, it, it's oppressive. I mean, that's what it is. It's like this huge wall of bullshit that I can't even, go, you know, go up against, but... Um, things like that, yeah, Dream Askew, you mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. that sense of community provides, mm-hmm. and empowerment, Yeah, you know, there's, because the thing is, we can change things in the world, but sometimes that means being realistic about what's fucked up out there, and the difficulties in dealing with it, and finding other people who might suffer the same way, but want to change things for the better, and find uh, worth in that fight, fighting it, really, and, um, dark narratives have always done that for me. I mean, I'm actually not a huge fan of it, but I did watch Game of Thrones for a bit, um, which has its, which is controversial. It's not, it's problematic, yeah. to say the least. It's the minimum, yeah. <laughs> to, to, at the minimum. Yeah. Um, but, but we still, but I, like, I, I, I watched the first, like, I've watched the whole, all, all of it so far, and I, I find myself kind of hate watching it, just because yeah. I kind of was like, okay, is... Is so and so going to survive? Is so and so going to overcome this? And the few times that what I wanted to happen have happened have been so. And so finally, so and so got you know what was coming to them. Oh, finally, you know Jeffrey turns purple and falls over dead. Spoilers. Uh, and and so the the few times where they actually get it right, so to say, it's like we're good triumphs over evil. It's it's rare. It, it makes it, but it makes it that much better. Yeah. Um, to to see that be possible in a world where everything goes wrong, yeah. literally everything. I quit after the uh, well. Okay, never mind. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. Yeah. But there's a crucial point in the third season when yep. I fucking quit the show. Yep. It was too bad for me, yep. and I'm I'm fucked up. So, but um, you know, at the same time, like 
to see people go through hardships, sometimes a lot harder than what we've personally experienced, or sometimes a lot closer to what we experience. I mean, it can give you, it's, it's a context. It lets you survive, right? I mean, you see it happening and you're like, you know, this is, and you can compare it to the real world. And the real world is so wrong. It's so wrong. And, you know, sometimes everyone has a different threshold. Sometimes we need art that brings us comfort and joy and light. And we should always have that. At the same time, sometimes we need art that reminds us of how hard it is out there. And that can provoke empathy in us and compassion and verve, verve to change things. Like, because we can, there's real power out there. And I think sometimes it's responsibility of artists to try and generate that, generate change. Because I mean, the artists themselves won't change the world, but maybe you can spark them and they'll change the world. And sometimes that means showing people what it's really like and what it will take to get to a better world. Uh, so if there's one trope that you would completely excise from, from horror and darker canons and, and that sort of thing, what would that trope be? Um, oh, yeah. So I think, I don't know completely excise, but definitely like reduces numbers. Is, um, and it's not just in horror, but uh, it's called Bury Your Gaze. And it's the idea that queer people uh, always end up dead or in like a really tragic situation. Um, I think there needs to be a lot more narratives that show that like they can show the suffering, but then turn flip the script and have that person triumphant. Yeah. Hmm. Trip out excise. Um, fridging women in pretty much any fucking way, whether it's through you know, death or, or rape, etc. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty fucking sick of seeing that. Fueling man pain. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think it would have to be, you know, a woman suffering for, to fuel the dude's, like, narrative. Oh, so they, you can have an awesome revenge story. Yeah, yeah. I want her to have an awesome revenge yes. story. Yes, if, if we're I gonna, if want. I'm gonna have the trauma, I should get the revenge, is yeah. the way I feel about it. You know, it shouldn't be up to him to revenge me. Uh... Personal, personal preference. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. I mean, there's actually this genre of uh, film. It was like really. I think I feel like it was popular. And oh, jeez. I'm not gonna say. I'm gonna be wrong. And you're gonna Wikipedia it later and find (laughs) I was wrong. So I'm not gonna get into when it was. But um, and it's not for everybody. So I encourage a lot of you to not watch it. And only if you really feel like you can do something for you, because it's fucked up too, and it's problematic. Um, but they called them rape and revenge movies. Oh, and that was the genre. Yeah. 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 And, um, and a lot of them are really wrong, and they're extremely problematic, but at the same time, they're I found... Little, they're kind of empowering as fuck. Yeah, <laughs> I, found, I found a lot of power in that, mm-hmm. right? The idea that, you know, you might go through this horrible thing, but you could fight back, mm-hmm. and you could, you know... And yeah, kill your fucking abuser. <laughs> yep, I spit on your grave was, like, the biggest example of... Love it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it was, it's, you know, if, if you feel like that's the kind of thing you can stomach, and again, if you can, if that yeah. fits within your threshold. It's very graphic. Very, very graphic. So please be careful, you know, if that's stuff you're sensitive to, but at the same time, if you want an interesting watch, mm-hmm. yeah, I Spit on Your Grave, great film. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I even enjoyed stuff like, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Berserk. That is... Oh, the anime? The anime, manga. there's manga. Yeah, um, I love it. 
It's I love it too. Yeah, I love it. But it's and but it's also like super fucked up and wrong sometimes. Yeah. Like the way it treats its female characters. Oh yeah, is atrocious. Yeah, and you know, but at the same time, you know, it's something where I see it, and it's about basically a guy who's trying to take on this godlike evil being mm-hmm. and suffering in every possible way till then. If only it could be the woman. That's you know, um, but. That was empowering to think, like, you know, seeing someone fight against a god, because that's what it feels like sometimes, right? I mean, you deal with, I mean, capitalism feels like an evil fucking god hovering over us all. Um, and like, how many of us in this room would actually do their day job if they didn't have to make money? Yeah. Yeah, it's not a high number, though, yeah. still. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if you didn't. But if there was no need for profit, would you still work for that same organization? Or would that organization even need to exist? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's kind of a... A lot of us do a lot of things because we have to eat and we have to, to put a roof over our heads and over our kids' heads that we wouldn't necessarily do if we had the free time and the, the, just the ability to do anything else that would either pay as well or or you know just didn't have to pay and I could you know it's like oh this is what I I I have all my needs are taken care of this is what I want to do until today I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt um um, until today I hadn't played an RPG in three fucking months because of real life you know I'm I'm a transgender woman a brown one it's hard for me to get a fucking job you know I mean I'm like working by I need to get another job and it's tough sometimes to find housing and people who will take you in mm-hmm. and I haven't had the time or energy for games I, I don't want and it's like that for a lot of people it's worse for a lot of people and I don't want that I don't want it to be like that for other people and so one of the things I think about a lot as an artist right is and I, I, I do believe artists have responsibility how do you create how do you create verb how do you create energy you know, for change. How do you get people to... How do you empower them to actually stand up and make a difference in the world? That's a question I come back to all the time. Mm -hmm. And I don't think you can necessarily do it through comfort. Mm -hmm. Not always, no. No. You need your comfort, but sometimes you need to push people. And I think dark art is really good for that. You know? You need more than just starchy carbs. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Searchy carbs will go a long way for a lot of comfort, but it's not going to everything. No. <laughs> hmm. I have a question. I have an answer. <laughs> how, how do you design a game that is both dark, um, but just like also doesn't completely destroy your players like emotionally? Yeah, because you don't want to go too far. Um, yeah. What do they call it? Darkness-induced audience apathy. That's yeah. what they call it. You don't want to get to that point because then you've... You've they, lost they, them. they don't yeah. give a shit. Yeah. 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 Uh, I think you have to be intentional on what narrative you're trying to tell. Yeah. Uh, and what tropes go along with that narrative and whether or not you're taking those tropes as they are or if you're flipping the switch on them. Um, you can also when you're sitting down at the table, you know, just because somebody has written an RPG does not necessarily mean it's the RPG for you. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So make sure that when you're sitting down with your players, that everybody's on the same page and that everybody is willing to take this journey. Yeah. Because and that afterwards, you're gonna talk about it and you're gonna process it. And that processing might not be in five minutes. That process might not be in half an hour. That process might not be in a month. I have friends who are still like from a game like three years ago, still having feels occasionally because it was that. You know, so you you have to make safety, 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 safety. Yeah. Make sure that everybody's on the same page. But also, you know, think about what is it you're trying to say? What is the, the, the story you're trying to tell? What is the path you're trying to lead the players through? Mm-hmm. And make sure that that's intentional and clear and those signposts are there so that they know, okay, if I take this road, it's going to go this way. And if I take this road, it'll go this way. They might meet back up later, but they're going to be different paths. Yeah, I mean, I think um, really, I don't know, understanding. I mean, like with, you know, when you have players, they're not just people who are playing a game. You have a personal relationship with them. And that requires, like, if you are running the game, there's a responsibility in understanding that and the nuances. And also, know, like, you know, making sure everyone's okay every step of the way. Um, I, I do suggest for people safety tools. I... I'm actually very skeptical of safety tools sometimes. I don't think the X card's perfect. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I took issue with it because sometimes I'm, I'm afraid of things paying lip service to helping people. Being someone who's, you know, I feel like has been helped sometimes, but only like, you know, as a token thing or you know, people just paying lip service to being uh, welcoming or supportive. So, but I mean, having those things just to set the tone and to let people know that you care or just, again, a good session zero is really, really fucking important, you know, and having a sense of, yeah, like, where are you, where's this narrative going to be taken? I think it's on players, too. Mm-hmm. I think it's not just the person running the game. If you're a player, whenever you make a choice in character, you know, or whatever, think to yourself, is this where we should take this? And know the people around you, really know the people you're gaming with. And that can be hard for con games. I mostly play mm-hmm. with friends for that reason, because you don't know with yeah. strangers. But And that's, like, there you go, that, that there's the utility of the X card. But... If you sit down at home game with people you know, I mean, you know them. Think about them, understand the nuances of the conversations you're having and the interactions you're having. It's really important. And an X card won't always save you. And mm-hmm. sometimes things might happen where you need to sit down and have a good heart-to-heart or you need to give people time to process. And it doesn't make you a bad person if that happens. We don't, we're not in each other's heads. Sometimes we don't understand each other's thresholds. And when you go to darker places, things get a little tricky. So just being aware of that is so crucially important and you know if you make a mistake that's fine don't beat yourself up about it but learn from it and move on yeah and safety tools are not one size fits all like the x card works great in 80 percent of circumstances but there are some people for whom the mechanic of the x card of you know no we're just not going to talk about it we're not going to go we're not going to discuss it's kind of a little triggering because it kind of feels a little gaslighty to them. So maybe they might be better with something like um, script change from from Bree Sheldon. Script change is really good. Yeah, where it's like, all right, we're going to rewind. We're going to acknowledge that that thing happened. So no, you you didn't imagine it. Something did happen, but we're going to go around it instead, and we're going to find a different way. Or um, the consent flower, where it's um, no, we're not going to do that. Yes, I want more of this. Hey, I'm kind of on the borderline. Just go slower, you know, a little more cautiously with this. You know, I'm, I'm still with you, but um, 
I'm, you know, let's just take this a little slower. And those tools like that are not, like I said, no one tool is going to work for every single situation out there. And no one tool is going to be perfect for every single human that you are sitting with. It might be, you know, you're using some combination of safety tools. But ultimately, the best safety tool is being able to trust the other people at the table. That if you say stop or, hey, can we not do that or whatever, they're going to respect it and they are going to actually listen. Yeah, and when and when you deal with darker stuff, and I think games is a perfect place to do that with the right safety tools, mm-hmm. with the right people. Make sure you got to make sure you're comfortable, and you got to make sure the people you with you're with are comfortable with that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, but I feel like you know if you do it right and carefully, you can really have powerful experiences mm-hmm. with like you know your friends, people you're close to. And you can get grow closer, and you can learn a lot about the world and each other. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a great place to do it. And I think, you know, if, if that's a game you want to do, you shouldn't stop yourself from doing it. If you're interested in going there, just make sure that everyone that's going to be journey, joining you on that journey is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's lots and lots of chickens. Do you have any other questions? Or should we open it up to the floor? I think it'd be nice to open it up to the floor. Right. Yeah. Any questions that you have for us or that you... I saw your hand first. <laughs> um, I so I recently watched the third, the new season of Twin Peaks. Mm-hmm. Um, have any of you seen it? I, I haven't gotten to see it yet. Yeah, I I haven't just because I I'm an okay Lynch fan. It's not my bag. Like, it, yeah. I don't even know if I would. Yeah. Can recommend it, but one of the things that I like struggle with watching it is there's it, there's so much violence, particularly directed at the women in in it, um, and unlike. Old Twin Peaks, which also had that, um, it's a lot more graphic, mm-hmm. and there is very little narrative. So, like, there's mm. very little meaning to be made of it. Um, so, I'm curious what you all think about about that. Like, does if we're showing things that are dark, if we're exploring things that are dark, like, does there need to be some kind of redemption, or does there need to be some kind of way of making sense of it, um, or does that reflect like how violence works really I, in the world? Sometimes? I mean, you know, and I come from a very particular viewpoint. Um, I'm pretty glad about this. I'm a communist, so I believe in changing the world with whatever means possible. And that means coming to terms with violence. At the same time, when you use violence, what are you saying with it? Mm -hmm. Are you trying to explore it, or are you just trying to titillate people? Mm -hmm. You know, are you, are you, and, and who is it directed against? And that's a good point. If it's directed against a lot of women, you know, why? Who are you doing it for? Who's doing it? Those are important questions. Is it just for titillation? I, I, I personally am not a fan of violence purely for titillation. Yeah. Like, I prefer my... If there is going to be violence, I prefer it to either have a reason or to have a consequence. Yes. Um, and it, or, or both, preferably. But... Um, so I'm, I'm not drawn to stuff where it's just, oh, we're going to just uh, like smash stuff for the hell of it. Um to use a, a, a non-horror example, I am pissed as hell at Solo. And I am a giant Star Wars fan. Mm. But, and this is a little bit of a spoiler, you take the first black woman oh. to have a speaking role in Star Wars history and you kill her not to save her husband, not to, to save her friends, but so her husband can make a payday. Yeah. And then you don't even really comment on her death anywhere later in the movie. 
pisses me off to no end. So if you're going to have violence, if you're going to have a character die, think about why you are having this character die. And is that a worthy reason to do it? It's just like you were saying about the the barrier case thing. It fucking sucks. It fucking sucks when you see just, like, or, again, violence against women, when you see these groups that are marginalized and, you know, the underdog society and they continue to be that in fiction. You, sorry, go on. Oh, yeah, sorry. I, it's, a, like, a topic I'm very passionate about. What I find tends to happen there is that people want to put these types of characters in there for the sake of saying they did it, but they don't want to put the work into creating their story, so they just wipe them off the board. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, I did it. Okay, done. Moving yeah. to the and next And these thing. things reinforce a negative reality. Yeah. Thing, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, and, and, you know, I know art reflects reality, but reality will also, you know, people's, you know, when they experience art, they carry that with them and it affects how they see the world. Mm-hmm. So there needs to be responsibility. I'm, I'm not anti-violence in media. Yeah. You know, a lot of the stuff I create is violent because it's the way I deal with things. It's the way, I, it's something I try to understand about the world, yeah. violence. But again, always, I'm always questioning who is it against? What is violence, violence for? And, you know, am I doing it for the right reason? Yeah. Mm. Like, it seems like the question about like uh, who is violence enacted upon is a question of who is expendable. Yeah. Yes. And and who we when somebody is expendable, why are they expendable? It's like, is the person that survives always going to be the thin cis white lady who was pure and chaste, or does it get to be sometimes the kind of angry brash guy? who's black or the angry you know the 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 uh slightly promiscuous woman who's you know oh i made a bad choice you know those things when we always enforce the same narrative of you know this is who survives and this is who dies along the way it kind of means something and like one of the tools i use when i'm when i'm building a a a campaign is you know i use pinterest boards it's like all right these are the characters i'm going to use all right Let's let me do some grouping. I'm gonna group all my protagonists and all my antagonists. I'm gonna look at the pictures. Are all the white people the protagonists and all the brown people antagonists? Because that's what happens a lot of times in media. It's like, oh, we've built the story. Oh, we get to the end. Oh crap, there's no diversity. Uh, we'll throw a couple more bad guys in and they'll be brown. Flip the script, please. Flip the yeah. script on that. <laughs> I mean, that's so it's so troubling to see brown people yeah. um, or queer coded villains. Yep. Yeah. Um, even if I love some of them because they are all I had, yeah. um, still seeing that that being the only thing you see, hmm. it, it makes an imp, you know it implies things about your value in the real world. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of on that note, and like to respond to the question of how we feel about like uh, this sort of gratuitous violence, if it is. Um, re-establishing or like just mirroring um, what happens in the real world without critiquing it or trying to change it or making any like um, thoughtful commentary about it. Yeah, it's bad. It just it's just that vicious cycle of being mm-hmm. yeah of showing that yeah. this is okay without consequence. Yeah, who's the violence against? I mean, seriously, you know, I will take you know. I'll take one of those fucking rape and revenge stories any day over a story um, where a man goes around and kills a bunch of women. I, I say this having watched a lot of slasher flicks. Yeah. I liked them. At the same time, like, you know, I found some degree of empowerment through it with the whole yeah. final girl and everything. And now it's fucked up. The final girl's always, like, super pure and everything. And, again, white, of yeah. course. And so, again, it's, it's really important to consider, like, 
Um, oh yeah, no. Um, just who is it against? Like, please flip. The, if you're gonna have violence, you know, flip the script or at least try to find, go deeper than just okay, this is what happens in the real world. Mm -hmm. Because you know, don't just, don't just recreate things thoughtlessly. Um, my current one is probably Bluebeard's Bride. Um, That's a good one. Just because uh, the narratives that it it does interrogate those tropes and that narrative and that why it is we think the way we do, why it is we do the things we do, what it is a, what it is that scares us and why it scares us. Um, and I think a, a well-run Bluebeard's Bride set of rooms is a thing of beauty um and it works best if you know your players and you know where their squick points are and how far they are willing to let you play with those squick points like i don't like eyeballs i can't deal with eyeball trauma just no just can't but like if you like if you can carefully skirt that with me such that i'm like cringing in my seat because I know it's coming, but you never actually get there. That's like, oh, you, you evil, you. I love you, but you're evil. So it's you. It's a, a thoughtful interrogation of it, and that's why I love it so much. Um, I haven't played a lot, but the one time I played this game called Damned Love, which is a three-player. Mm. Yeah, it's a three-player game by J Tree. J Tree, huh? Um, and it's about a witch and a demon, and the witch and the demon cause a, a mortal to fall in love with the witch. It's basically about abusive relationships, yeah. which is very dark, but it gives a lot of agency to the person playing the mortal, the abused person. And when I played it, I, um, without realizing it, sort of enacted an abusive relation I had, but it gave me the chance to like um, end it the way I wish I had my real life relationship um and the tools were there mm -hmm. to support me in doing that and it was like really awesome yeah it's a it's a cool game yeah, yeah. in terms of a particular system i mean bluebird's bride was already said so i can't say that <laughs> um the thing is i actually play a lot of trad games i play a lot of D. &D. Mm -hmm. i i love old school D, D. it's like one of my favorite things to run but you know but it's not the system that does it it's the way the game is run and that requires i mean sometimes the system won't help you in that regard. I don't think any system's perfect for how you deal with trauma. Um, you know, again, I'm someone who dealt with a lot of trauma. I have complex PTSD. I have DID, actually, um, which is fucked up. But, you know, it, you know, for me, it's, it's the adventures I run. Um, I always try to have my players confront something that sort of can challenge the worldview a bit and have them hopefully deal with, say, the consequences of their own actions, you know, and, and deal with the fact that, you know, they will live through trauma and they will create trauma for other people. It's sort of the fucked up nature of being a human being. So, I mean, that's what I do, but in terms of a specific game, I wish I could give you one. <laughs>
That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I, I hadn't heard of that one. Yeah. I mean, you know, like I said, people have different, you know, when, when you're dealing with trauma, um, and everyone, I feel like, deals with some kind of trauma. Everyone has something, yeah. right? Um, we all have different thresholds and we all have different needs when it comes to dealing with it. And I feel like um, one of my things is, of course, I want to create games that are helpful for people that can help people explore that. At the same time, it's not going to be a solution for everyone. It's not going to be a game for everyone. I deal with my trauma in a particular way. I channel it into being really fucking angry about the system. So, um, but some people, you know, maybe they need comfort or maybe they just need to dive deep into something dark. So. Any other questions? When trying to design something that deals with a particular kind of trauma, do you find that it is more effective to, at the end, resolve it in kind of a revenge story? Or is it more of like a 1984, it's going to beat you? And that, you sort of take that into reality and say, you know, it does that have to be true? I have some thoughts. When uh, you know, I'm thinking about 1984. I actually don't like 1984 because it presents this totalitarian government as something you can't topple, mm-hmm. and I don't believe that's true. I believe that, you know, I believe that um, you can always fight back. It might be hard, but really, it takes being willing and helping other people, inspiring other people. So, um, that's my thoughts about 1984. Um, but I mean, like, you know, sometimes, though, people might need that. I know for some people, you know, I use, I, I've dealt with sexual assault in my life. Um, and one of the things I wanted to learn how to do was fight. So I learned jiu-jitsu. <laughs> um, my one friend um, doesn't want to learn how to fight. I think for uh, that person, it's extreme, it's, it's, it's troubling, and it feels like something that you know they just have to deal with through processing and and I think that's fair I don't think everyone should be forced to teach how to fight back I like to fight back and I think other people should fight back if they want to but at the same time for some people like they maybe that that kind of narrative would help them you know something where it's like it doesn't get resolved but maybe in their own way they can process that because sometimes it doesn't get resolved in real life yeah I I think either way you choose to go with it make sure it's an intentional choice um like bluebeard never really resolves and you you can't win and that was an intentional design choice in that they were trying to say you know this is what happens this you know people don't believe women people don't you know this is and so whichever way you go with it as long as you're intentional with it and as long as you're being open and honest and respectful of it, it's not a bad choice either way. Um, so just definitely not. There's yeah, no wrong choice. There is in that no regard. wrong choice in that. Like 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 she was saying, Sorry. some people choose to fight. Some people don't want to let an event like that change them such that they become hard. Mm-hmm. So both are perfectly valid reactions. Yeah. Um, I mean, the way so, that yeah. people deal with their trauma. I mean, mm-hmm. like. There's no right or wrong way. Yeah. It's trauma. We're all just stumbling through it. Yeah. You know, so we all find our own way. Yeah, I would say intention is the is the big point. Making sure it um, it aligns with 
the lessons you want your players to walk away with and uh, the feeling you want of the game. Um, personally, I love making things that are flexible, so I would actually try and build in both of those um, endings because I like people to have like ultimate control out of the, the end of their story. But that's me. Yeah. Anybody else? Tell us about any projects you're working on or projects you want to work on that kind of explore this Ooh. Uh, so I kind of, uh, I'm working on one right now that's kind of the opposite of that because I wanted to interrogate the world, but with a hopeful ending. Yeah. Um, so Arun is kind of our, 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 uh, my, uh, way of doing that. Um, like, I am not a fan of post-apocalyptic because it's so uh, depressing, and it's like you can't win. And I wanted something to that was post. Hey, some event happening, the world went to shit, but we're getting better. Um, so that's that's a ruin for me. Um, um, yeah, I'm working on a game uh, called Monsters and Secrets. I'm actually doing focus group for mm -hmm. it. Um, and it's about a small town where there's a monster, um, but um, the people in the town have a lot of trauma and secrets, and the secrets, you know secrets about each other, and uh, they're sort of the key mechanic, and resolving them, you can resolve them in a way that you use them to dominate others, or use them to bolster others. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm working on. Um... It's not the game I brought to Metopia, but uh, the project I'm really passionate about right now. Um, it's an RPG, it's about being in a band that is on one hand trying to survive, um, and then through music, you know, kind of fill their souls. And then finally, how do they contribute to insurrection within society? So it has three layers to it of survival, feeding your soul, and then feeding rebellion. And that's the project I'm really looking forward to, I feel deals with uh, the things that are extremely important to me, clearly. Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Any final thoughts? Um, I really like um, what you said about being really intentional. Mm -hmm. I think that's a thing. It's so easy, especially within when you when you go dark, to just reiterate bullshit, to reiterate narratives that leave people feeling powerless or like they have no value in the world. But I feel like you can do these bleak, dark, really fucked up things sometimes and do in a way that is healing or empowering. Um, and it just requires intention. It requires careful thinking. And if you fuck up, that does not make you a bad person. Also, you know, if you, something that's kind of messed up or problematic is something that has, you know, contributed to you positively or something that saved you, you're not wrong for that. We all deal with things in our own way. So please don't feel bad for that. But, you know, when putting it right out there, please try and be intentional. And, and just because somebody had a reaction to it that was not what you intended does not make it, it, there, it both does not make what you put out there wrong necessarily but if you did something and it had a reaction that you didn't intend it make sure you own up to yes this is the choices I made to create this this way yes. um, and if that requires an apology so be it 
but just be, you know, it's like, yes, I did in fact make that mistake or I did in fact make that choice. Um, and so whatever you're putting out there, just this is, yes, I did do that. Either I'm sorry or I did that on purpose and this is why. I think it's good to like, you know, when, when that sort of issue comes up, really ask yourself at that time, was that a choice or was that a mistake? Was that something I could have done better about? Or is that something I intentionally chose because, you know, it reflected something I saw or wanted to do? So, again, about being intentional and being honest with yourself if it was a choice or mistake. And either answer's fine. Yeah. And I would say, um, as this was brought up earlier, but I'd like to reiterate it, building in um, consent and emotional safety uh, tools and cultures into your game is very important when you are dealing with these topics. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Yeah, if nobody else has a question, has, no questions. <laughs> then I, I, I uh, you, you have ten minutes to like get to your next thing and use the bathroom and coffee and all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, but yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, and if anyone wants to talk about this sort of thing, I mean, well, we're all here. Yep. And-